Well, hey, church, good morning. Good to see so many awesome people at one place. Are we blessed or what? Was that worship fun? I just really enjoyed that anointing. God's presence, I don't know, there's nothing like it. You know, we get changed from glory to glory, right? But it's his presence that really, really matters and cultivating that sense. I know he's always with us. He's with us when we come and with us when we go. But when we pause to acknowledge his presence in this place, collectively, there's something powerful about that. Come on. Can we, uh, well, welcome to you that are here for the first time, perhaps. If you're visiting us, we're so thankful that you're here. We hope your experience is amazing. But let's also welcome the online audience. Can we do that? Thank you guys for being there, being with us this morning. Tuning in either now or later. There's usually quite a few gadgets that are tuning in, but we have no idea how many people. Isn't that fun? Um, So, hey, uh, before I get into the, the message message, can I do a message before the message? Can we do some, a little bit of a family culture today? You're like, oh man, what's the pastor going to do now? Well, I just want to talk a little bit about a few house rules. Can we do that? Do you know I love you? I know you've only known me for like a year, but I love you like crazy. So we, what we've done over the past couple months is put together a really amazing um, usher team. We had a mixture of usher slash greeters, but we've hived off and said, you guys are here to help people get seated well, right? And you know how hard it is for people coming in late during worship? Um, you know who you are, and we love you anyway. But you come in just after worship started and the lights are already dim. You can't really know where those seats are that are empty. It's almost impossible to tell unless you walk up and down the aisles. And it's just super unwelcoming at that point, right? Unless you kind of like, you know, are looking. And it just gets awkward. And so the ushers have been doing a phenomenal job of just saying, come on, let me show you where to sit. Isn't that awesome? Also, along, along with that, we have a wonderful security team. And, and it's, a, it's almost a shame we have to have this nowadays. But y'all have heard about what happened in Houston, Texas. Just look up Joe Osteen's church and things of that nature. And I don't want to, I'm not, I don't want to do some scare tactics, but we need a great security team now to keep you and your family safe. It should be a safe place to bring your family, including your kids, and drop off your kids and not, not have to worry. Know that there's security among us, right, that are watching out for you and your families. Now, we put, uh, Chairs at the very back of the auditorium, uh, right back there um, to my left, uh, for the ushers so that they can get up and down and to monitor where you are. And if there's people coming in late, you know, whatsoever, they can jump up and help you. They say reserved on them. And if you're coming in and you don't know why the seat says reserved, guess what? It's probably not for you. (laughs) So we've... (laughs) We've had issues with people just wanting to sit there. They're just the most welcoming seats in the house for some odd reason. Listen, they're for the ushers so that they're easily accessible and they can monitor the doors and help you find a seat well and, and, and help you for any reason. Now, we've also had issues here at Grace Church for some reason that people love to line up against the back wall instead of finding a seat. And I know other churches have done the same thing. And so, listen. Let me say, first of all, if you're carrying a child, you're, 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 you're soling your child, you know, uh, consoling your child, and you, you want to walk around, by all means. If you want to worship more freely during the worship time, by all means, you're welcome to, to stand anywhere you're allowed to stand. If you're trying to stretch your legs, your back hurts, or something like that, by all means, get up. You can stand in the back. But listen, if you're standing in the back, not seated, 
my ushers or security are going to ask you what's up. And they're not going to apologize to you for doing that. Why? Because we've had some creepiness in our church and people sneaking in, sometimes during worship or afterwards, sometimes standing right back there, manifesting demonic stuff, chanting stuff over the congregation while we're trying to worship. And we put in a spiritual leadership team together that says, if that happens again, we're going to pause, we're going to worship, just like they do at Times Square Church. They pause, they go right back into worship, and then those people are going to run to it and cast out the demons if they need to. But, but meanwhile, meanwhile, we're going to monitor those people standing in the back because that's where those people tend to stand. It doesn't mean everybody standing in the back has that going on, but we're going to ask you what's going on. And we're not going to apologize for asking you what's going on. We're going to say, can we help you? And if you have a good reason for being there, then so be it. Okay, and so we love you like crazy. By all means, console your child, stretch your legs, whatever. Also, also, we've done a much better job just this week of live streaming the whole service, including all the video, right out to the lobby on that TV out there. It was limited before now. Right? It was only the words out there on the screen. But now you can see the whole service right out in the auditorium. So if you're carrying a child, you need to stretch your legs. You can walk around the lobby and, and still get the, the message and hear it beamed across the lobby. Is that okay? Do you still love me? So one thing I noticed is that when people are just hovering and they refuse to find a seat, and other churches have dealt with the same thing, the people in the back are always looking over their shoulder, and it's hard for those people in the back to relax. Guess what happens time and time again? They go like this, and they, look, and they go like that. Again, why? Because there's, it's kind of creepy for you to get settled in and someone hovering in the back watching you. And you, and, you, and you always turn. It's subconscious. You don't even think about it. We're trying to eliminate distractions. How many know that we're such a distracted culture? Not me, of course, but you. No, you know how hard it is just to put your gadgets away, just to give, just to give God a little bit of reverent time. Do you know how hard that is in our culture? Just the fact that you're here, you know how amazing that is? We're going to sit, you're going to actually give God some quality time without the distractions of gadgets and, and busyness of the, of the week and busyness of the day. It's really hard. And so let's honor this space. Can we honor the space? Hallelujah. Thank you, God. I see some smiles, so I still feel loved. The other, the, other, the other thing I want to talk about is the length of our church services. And I, it's been drilled into me for seven years, man. An hour is long enough. You know what? Uh, because adults, uh, we, we all can't focus. Young adults and even old adults, they won't focus for longer than a 30-minute message and a 20 to 25-minute worship service. Do you know what, what I have to say about that right now? I'm going to say forget all of the surveys because it actually isn't true. You can focus if you want to focus. <clears throat> I have actually been watching, and I, for a long time now, I watch people like Jesus Image in Orlando, Florida. Guess what? Their church is made up of mostly millennials or younger Z generation. Do you know how long they worship? At least an hour, never less. Do you know how long they preach? Way longer than me. Now, this is what I'm not fond of. I'm not fond of just creating long church services just to be cool and to think that I have something more than someone else. Long, long boring church services is how I grew up, and I hated every moment of it. Why? Because it wasn't anointed. 
What am I saying, Pat? What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that if God is moving and if there's still some things yet to be done and it feels like God is on it, just like when my friend Vince was here and it lasted for two and a half hours, I don't want to apologize and, and shut it all down too quickly. We still have one service. We might go to two services and we'll figure that out some other day. Amen, somebody. But right now we have one service. But listen, we can do that while still honoring the children's ministry and saying after about an hour, hour and a half, we're going to put a slide up just like we did before. Go get your kids. Why? They don't want to watch your kids for three hours. <laughs> Even if God is moving in here, may not be moving with your crying kids. Does that make sense? So we can, we can hold all those things in tension and then you go get your kids, bring them back in if you think they're up to it. But if you need to go, listen, you're all adults. You know, you, you need to go to lunch, go to lunch. I'm not gonna call you out. I'm gonna make you feel guilty. You've, some of you had games right after church. You all need to go. But we can do that and still let God move if he's moving. Amen, somebody. Okay, I'm good. Thanks for letting me get some stuff off of my chest. Listen, back to our ushers and security. Can we just honor them right now by saying thank you? They're here to serve you. They're here to bless you. They're here to make a safe environment for you. And I just so appreciate those guys and what they brought to, to Grace Church. Amen, amen. Oh, I feel like we need to pause for prayer. <laughs> I love you guys so much. So, so, so let's pray. Let's do that, actually. That's probably the Holy Spirit prompting me. God, we give you this church service. God, we give you this time together as a family. God, we honor this space. We are most reverent in your presence. God, we don't want to take it lightly that you are here among us, moving and shaking. You're here healing, and you're here blessing. You're here encouraging, and we don't want to take it lightly, and we don't want to rush your Holy Spirit. We don't want to run ahead of you or lag behind. We want to flow with you and you with us. We want to partner with you, and all God's people said amen. Well, hey, we're talking about partnership today. This is the third in the series of All In. And um, as we said before, this will eventually be our All In uh, partnership class that people who are new to Grace Church are wondering, you know, how to become part of Grace Church, how to onboard, so to speak. How do I join the church, if you want to call it that? Um, and so eventually we'll do these at least four times a year, more if we need to, depending how fast our church is growing. But um, but look for that. And if you didn't get to all three sessions, um, this is the third one. You can look back and you can see what I preached the last two Sundays and get in on that. It's, they're still up. Um, or you can sign up for the next All In class, which is already open and people already signing up for that. And um, that date is going to be May the 13th from 6 to 8 in the evening. It'll be all one evening. It'll be like you know, three quick, shall we say, TED Talks with all the materials handed to you on what constitutes what we believe and then what we do as a church and then what partnership actually means. And then it'll be a time of question and answer. We love doing that. Time to actually interact with the pastors and get to know us a bit. By the way, we're gonna do like an example of that, which we've done the last two Sundays. If you would scan that QR code in front of you anytime throughout this message, you can ask a question and we'll try to hit a few near the end. Look for the All In series right in front of you. It says All In on, as it comes up on your smartphone. How many pastors tell people to get their smartphones out in the message? I know. But I am this time, and you can send us a message, and then if I can't get to it today, I'm going to send, uh, send you an answer during the week. But it, th today, if, it, uh, if you have a question about anything we preach so far, maybe it's what we believe or what it is we actually do here as a church, and then anything from today, which is what does partnership actually mean, you can send, send us those questions 
and we'll get to as many as possible. I, I prefer the word partnership over membership, and here's just a simple reason why. I believe that when a person says yes to Jesus, whether they get saved out in the middle of the desert or in the wildernesses of Montana or whether they're here in Shillington, Pennsylvania, whether you can connect with a church locally or not, you are then a member of the body of Christ wherever you are. Does that make sense? And so I don't want to confuse, especially new believers, you become a member when you get saved. That's what, the, that's what the Bible is very clear. You're a member of a larger body of Christ, the big C church, as we call it, across the globe and on, it, and on every continent. But what we're talking about today is where are you partnering locally? In other words, you can be a part of the body of Christ, but then not functioning very well locally and not very well connected. Some of you already feeling convicted. Good. I've been through those seasons, and so I'm right with you. And I went through seasons where it was like, yeah, I think we belong to, and then name the church. When's the last time you were there? Oh, this has been a while. I'm working 60 hours a week. We have four little kids, and on and on. And the excuses start to pile up. And then you can look back on your life and go, wow, I wasn't actually a functioning member. My name was there. They might remember me, but I haven't been functioning. Does that make sense? And so today I'm talking about how to partner in the local church. I can't tell you how to partner with the church globally. Um, and quite frankly, I think it starts locally. Amen, somebody. Okay. Amen. I want to take a few minutes to make a biblical case for active church partnership. And many of you heard me tell this story, uh, I, I believe, I, I told it before, but I'm going to tell it again. Is that okay? There's new people here. So for the sake of those 10 people, here we go. <laughs> When I got married to Alicia, um, I would say family dynamics really changed. And uh, she was from the Griner family, is from the Griner family, not was. Her maiden name was Griner. And boy, did they welcome me in. They are really big on celebrating holidays, celebrating birthdays, uh, togetherness, 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 way more than my family was. We had a few, you know, reunions of a couple hundred people throughout the year, but uh, but they were together on almost every occasion. I was so welcomed in as and treated like a guest in the house right away. And their parents were like, "She found a godly man. Let's make him feel like a son of the house." Right. But something changed. I remember that. I think it was a first Thanksgiving meal or Christmas. I can't remember. But we had, we had just gotten married. And you know how, how we overeat in America? Okay. Do you know how I overeat at Thanksgiving? <laughs> Not you, but me. Man, I, I had just eaten, I, I think, a, a hundred different types of food, right? Made by Stephanie, mother-in-law, and her daughters, and various people, and I was already about to pass out in what, what I would call a, an all-American food coma, maybe watch a game a little bit. I remember sitting down on the sofa, and Calvin, which is Alicia's father, he comes over to me. He says, Vern, you're a family member now. Guess what family members do? I'm like, I don't know. Eat more food? Like, <laughs> He said, the women cook and the men clean up. That's what he said. It wasn't my culture. In my culture, the men farm, and the women cook and clean up and everything in the house, you know, and, 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 it, and, it, and it didn't take me long. It took me about three seconds to realize what he was saying, and he was, he was downright serious. 
And for the next hour, him and I are washing dishes, loading just a few things in the dishwasher, which was quickly full. And then we're hand washing all the fine china handed down from generation to generation from Aunt Rui and everybody else under the sun. And, and stuff that if you break it, you would feel uh, guilty for about 10 years, right? And I'm going, oh my goodness, I can't believe he trusts me with this stuff. And we're washing and talking and cleaning and scraping food and putting everything. No, no, we didn't set it out to dry. We hand dried every single piece. That stuff can't hand dry. We put it back where it belongs. And after about an hour, we sat down. I said, oh dear God, what, what have I bought? What am I in for? I want to tell you what happened to me that day. I became a family member. Amen. And family members don't just sit around like a weird uncle who just finished eating all your food and can't lift a finger to help afterwards. And the body of Christ has a lot of weird relatives. Can I be blunt today? I have your permission to be serious. I, if you want to look for weird relatives, just join a church. There are so many people that have an onlooking experience. They love to be invited, and we will always be invitational. Always, always, always be invitational. Matter of fact, her family's always invitational. There's always a few people at most of those gatherings that, that aren't blood relatives. That's just how her family is. They invite this person, that person, single people, single moms. There's usually someone there that isn't uh, one of your actual blood relatives. That's just how they are. But guess what? Eventually, they just start picking up stuff and helping as well. And guess what? They start bringing stuff as well. Why? Because the, the deeper they get, you feel like a guest for a little bit. And then you go, I can bring a bag of chips. I can bring a fruit salad. I can bring this or I can bring that. And I can help carry a few dishes to the sink. I can make a dessert. Why? Because not everybody wants to feel like a guest forever. Do you want to feel like a guest forever in the house of God? Some of you do, but I'm telling you it's creepy and we ought to stop that. Because the weird uncle that always shows up and eats most of the food and then sits his butt down on the sofa to watch the game, never bringing a single bag of chips, but loving to eat and doesn't help clean up a th single thing afterwards, people roll their eyes behind his back and they do yours as well if you're one of those people. And the body of Christ, it gets weird super quick. And people are so nice to your face. But behind the scenes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're too nice to gossip about you. But I'm going to say it to your face so that no one has to gossip about you. Stop it. Stop, stop playing the weird uncle role. Get, get into a place. And if it's not Grace Church, it's not Grace Church. It's somewhere else. There's a lot of wonderful churches in this area, by the way. If you have to travel, find that place. But find a church where you're not a guest forever in the house of God. You are actually functioning, connected, arm-in-arm -arm family member. And God has actually spoken to you what your role is. Whether it's little or big. Amen. So I, Now, let me, let me say, if you're a guest in the house today, welcome. We, we love you. I understand that season. Right? Some people are going through that season, man. You should take all the time you need to check us out before you actually commit. You want to get to know us a bit. And that's what these classes are actually for. But forever, no. That actually isn't God's heart for you. Now, now I want, uh, just in case, I want, I want to pause and say, would you, would you actually switch your lenses just in case you need to and see this message and hear this message from a place of, this is God's heart for me? 
as opposed to this is what Pastor Vern wants to see. Some of you might, might have come from terrible church experiences, even abusive church leadership experiences, and God forbid that those things should not happen. But would you, would you look into your heart right now and say, I wanna hear this word as in, what is God's heart for me? Does that make sense? That's the way I wanna preach it. And if I don't, I'm asking God to give me that heart as I preach this message so that you hear God's heart for you and not just, this is church rules, if you will, because that's not really how we wanna function. We're called Grace Church after all. Amen, somebody? But this is God's heart for you. God wants every person to belong, every person to be connected in some way, every person's gift to shine, every person to, to, to know that they belong, but then they actually help with that belonging. And they bring something and receive something, giving and receiving. Here's God's heart before I get into the actual things. God wants you to have a field where you freely sow, but then you also reap the harvest of connections and friendships and spiritual growth, wisdom and healing and et cetera, et cetera, in the kingdom. Second Corinthians 9, 6 is this is God's heart. The point is this, he writes, Paul writes, whoever sows sparingly, <clears throat> excuse me, will also reap sparingly. Somebody say sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully is gonna reap bountifully. Somebody shout out bountifully. Here's just scriptural truth. 2 Corinthians 9, 10 says, he who supplies seed to the sower, it's talking about God, and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Somebody say multiply. Second, uh, Galatians 6, 7. Yeah, there's no second Galatians. Sorry about that. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Do you ever hear the phrase, obligation kills desire? It's not in scripture, but maybe it should be in Proverbs. I'll put it in my own book of Proverbs. <clears throat> but it does. It actually, when you, when you feel the law thrown at you, it makes us inner sort of like rebellious against it, like you should and you must. So it's really God's heart for you as opposed to, and then ask him to change your heart so that you desire to do God's will and God's ways. So that's different than obligation. But here in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. So God is saying, I wanna mess with your heart so that when I say give, when I say serve, when I say get involved, it's from your heart overflowing, not legalism that says, well, I better, or Pastor Vern's gonna show up on my front porch or something like that, which I'm not, I'm just uh, saying. So, so God is pointing to a culture of, shall we say, open-handed people that are sowers. Can you imagine a sower going through the field with his fists closed like this, trying to sow seed? Did you get some? You didn't, you didn't feel that? How about like that? Like that. If we are true sowers, we take what we have and we go like this. And when we sow, whoosh, then guess what God does? There's, there's more. There's more. Because God is a God of abundance and he tells you what to sow. And by the way, investing isn't, isn't, isn't miserly. That's sowing for the future as well. I'm not, not so, so please, I don't have time to preach a financial message right now. This is, this is a partnership message. But I'm, talking, I'm giving you God's heart for us as a culture to say, if you're coming into Grace Church and you're like this, 
That's what people feel emulating from you. The close-fistedness as opposed to the generosity. Now, God's going to give you wisdom and generosity, you know, but the sowers, man, they would go like this. Some fell here, some fell there. But guess what? The point of the whole message is there's a bountiful, bountiful harvest, and God's heart is harvest, right? Okay. Shabbat God's heart in partnership is generosity and sowing into one another. And it starts with, it starts with generosity, but then it starts to separate. And I'm okay if this message separates those who carry generosity from those who approach us with closed-fistedness and stinginess, if you know what that word means. God's convicting some of you right now about what that looks like. And it separates those of us who want to function as a family and then those of us who approach the place in this family just to take from others and to receive from others only and not to give ever. It starts to separate the, par- the participators from the spectators. Can I get a good Berks County amen on that? I pause and it, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Preaching these messages aren't exactly fun because there's always somebody offended. Matter of fact, whatever you preach, there's always somebody offended. That's our culture now, isn't it? You can say boo and someone's offended. You said boo, so I understand that. Although I mean, be careful what I say. I'm not gonna purposely try to offend. But in our culture, especially with these types of messages, there's been. But I, I actually pause. I had a moment. I gotta admit, I had a moment where I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I can say this stuff. And I heard, I heard the Holy Spirit say to me so clearly this week and the week before when I preached on some stuff, what kind of church do you want, Vern? Do you want a big church or do you want a biblical church? Churches can be biblical and big, don't get me wrong, but if I'm after butts in the seat, <laughs> come on, somebody. I'm actually pursuing the wrong thing. I'm pursuing truth. Which then, we, we expect the harvest because we preach truth, not because I water down the truth and prevent saying something to you that might be a little bit tough to hear. Okay. Hallelujah. You're allowed to be quiet. God's heart is get busy with it. Sow and reap, give and receive, bless and be blessed, share with others and then reap the rewards. Let's break fear. Let's break hurts. Let's break those hurdles that prevent us from sowing and reaping. Amen, somebody? Okay, a biblical case for church partnership. Here we go. Number one, somebody say body. So 1 Corinthians 12, 12, it says, for just as the body is one and has many members, he's likening our church involvement to like how your body is made. Um, And all the members of the body, though there's many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because of my hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, and so forth, that would not make it any less a part of the body. He goes on for a few more verses talking about how just like your body is made with many parts, so is the church made up like this, his church. There's something unnatural. Before we move on, I'm going to say this. There's something unnatural about a Christian who believes that he or she is a member of the body of Christ at large, but then does not practically function as an active part of the body anywhere locally. 
it becomes a little abnormal. It's like, it, it, and some of you probably are gonna send me a hate email because I'm gonna pick on PennDOT for a moment, but, uh, or just to say road, road working crews, right? All of you have driven by people working on the road and everybody rolls their eyes at construction, but thank God for construction workers who work on the road, right? <laughs> thank God for highways where we can drive, yeah, <clears throat> 60. Um, 50, all right, 50. But all of you have seen that construction crew where you go, only one guy has a shovel and the rest are watching him dig a hole. <laughs> I know, you've all seen it, right? And you kind of go, if any efficient manager ever get a hold of this, they could fire eight of them and keep one of them. He's the only one working. Now, I don't see the big picture. I'm only there for a blip, understand. I'm sure the next guy is running the backhoe in about five minutes from now. But when you drive by, you just see one guy working and the rest of them watching. Well, that's unnatural. It feels unnatural and it feels uncanny and it feels like, Number one, it's, it's inefficient for one thing. But, and as a manager, I was a production manager for, uh, for at least 18 years, you know, before I launched into our, our career as pastors. And, um, and man, that kind of stuff bugs me. I want to stop and manage that thing. Like, y'all want to pitch in a little? If you're not here, listen, function in such a way in your local, in your local church in your local body of Christ, function in such a way that if you're not here, you're sorely missed. Some of you function in such a way that when you're not here, you're hardly missed at all. Why? Because when you're here, you haven't impacted a life anyway. I know that's hard to hear, but that's how some people function. They're here to get, and if they didn't receive anything, they're not a single bit of them worried about pouring into anybody, saying a cheerful hello to somebody, serving a cup of coffee, greeting a little bit, or serving in any, any way, shape, or form. You haven't made an impact. You're just here. And so when you're missed, and so, I mean, when you're, when you're missing a Sunday, it actually doesn't make a huge void. Serve your local church in such a way that people go, where is so-and-so? I miss them. I know that as our church gets bigger, you might, you might have something in your brain that goes, yeah, they're not gonna miss me. Actually, it's because of how you function. I've been in some mega churches. Matter of fact, I've been in a mega church that was over 40,000 people at all their campuses. That's in Alabama. Church of the Highlands in Alabama. 40,000 or 50, it's probably more than that now. That was a few years ago. They're probably up, they, they beam it into prisons. They beam it into you know, 12 different campuses and on and on. 40 to 50,000 people that meet on a Sunday at all these places. I have never felt so welcomed in a mega church in my life. I've never felt the presence of God in that place like I felt in any other megachurch I ever stepped into. It's not about the size, it's about the culture and how we function. You can be welcoming in a megachurch or you can be welcoming if just 30 people are meeting. It's up to you how you want to set culture and how we want to set culture. Okay, okay. Back to my notes. Thank you, Jesus. That was important though. Number two, somebody say shepherding. Now, this is more for me. Active church partnership implies that, in a way, that the New Testament looks at shepherds and pastors and says, care for the flock that is in your charge. We can extend our focus, of course, at any time we want to, to outside of our local church. We can reach out to people wherever we are. We always encourage that, of course, you know, outreach and 
And I can pastor people, you know, here and there and everywhere. That's not what I'm, it's not that I'm not allowed to, but there's a special place where it says you have charge over these people. Acts 20, 28 says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And this is particularly to leaders. He's, and how, so, so my question about church partners, I'm making a biblical case for church partnerships. That makes sense? In case you forgot what I was about to preach. If I don't know who's all in, then who am I pastoring? All the city of Reading? Anybody who pops in once a year? Somebody who visits us twice in, in a decade? I don't know. If I don't know who I'm pastoring, then how do you know who your pastor is as well? Um, does that make sense? And so there's a place where it says, you should be responsible for the people that are in your flock. And so biblical church partnership, I believe, is a place where you generally know who's committed to the place. And then I can go to sleep at night. Actually, when I pray, and I pray for Grace Church, but actually after, after today and as we unfold this in the months ahead, I have a more specific idea of who, I, who it is I'm praying for. I can pray for the whole world and all the city of Reading and all of Berks County, and my prayers are still effective. But when I pray for the flock that is actually committed to this place, I think there's an authority that comes with with that, to break every stronghold and break every chain and command a blessing in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Number three, somebody say discipline. Okay, now take a deep breath. Whew, that's a crazy word, I know. Some of you are about to run for the door. It simply, it simply means correction and training, but let me unpack that just a little bit. Apparently, the church is supposed to participate in the discipline or the training and correction of the flock. Um, the church appears to be what we would call a court of appeals. In matters of sin and in matters of sheep biting. I'm going to raise your hand if you've ever been in a church where the sheep sometimes bite each other. None of you? You're lying. You're all, all, all of you, all of you need to repent right here at the end, at the stage, right here at the altar for lying. All of you know that people can hurt one another in the body of Christ. Not that you set out to do that, but sometimes the sheep bite each other. Matthew 18 says, in verse 15, if your brother sins against you, and this is your brother, this is not just somebody in the culture, not somebody in the city, this is your brother or your sister, sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Okay, come on, somebody, take a deep breath. You with me? <laughs> if he listens to you, you've gained your brother or sister. But if, it, but if it is not listen, if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, so that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Yeah, gang up on him in a nice way and say, what you're doing is hurtful. If he refuses to listen to them, you and everybody, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, then let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Now, Jesus died for Gentiles and tax collectors, so let's get that straight, right? doesn't mean treat them rudely, but it means then you don't have to consider them part of your inner, inner circle if you can't resolve the conflict. Ooh. Now, when it says bring it to the church, here's my biblical case for act, active church partnership. If you don't know who the church is, then how can you bring it to the church? And those of you who aren't that great and maybe, you know, maybe it's people that are watching from afar and I'll watch this message later. But if you're not that great at connecting locally, when you have an issue like this and you want to bring it to the church, you know, how disconnected or connected are you to actually bring it to the church and then you actually know who the church is? Does that make sense, somebody? 
There was a young man in our previous church that um, over a course of a couple years ran up a debt of $7,000 or more to people that he owed in and among the church body. And people felt sorry for him and kept giving him money and giving him money. And he, he called it a loan, but um, they should have called it just giving because they never got paid back. And when I found out about it over a course of time, over about a month, it kind of unraveled. Three or four people came to me and said, he owes me this much and he never paid this much for rent and he never paid me back for this and this. I went, well, this guy's toxic. He, everybody like dives into his sob story and then, and then hey, we'll, we'll loan you some money. Uh, so I, and this is issues of church discipline. Come on, somebody. Not the fun stuff. I never signed up for this stuff. Not the stuff I really wanted to do. I called up this guy and I said, this has to stop. Uh, what I want to see, if you're going to continue coming to this church locally to this body, I'm not saying you're not a member of the body of Christ. Does that make sense? But if you want to still connect locally here and worship with us, I want to see a plan of how you're going to pay these people back. Every single one of them. I know you can't pay it now, but I want to see a plan on how you're going to pay that back. Maybe it's so much a month. These people will work with you, but you cannot walk around just borrowing money, borrowing money, and never paying it back. He said, I will, I will, I will. Promise, Pastor Vern. And then we never saw him again. Well, good. At least he's not borrowing money. Is he part of the body of Christ? Sure. I don't know. Of course. I don't know where his heart's at right now, but he's not part of that church. Why? Because he's toxic and church discipline really matters. Why? Because as pastors, we're supposed to protect the sheep from damage if at all possible we can. And toxic people need to be called out. People that are coming in to damage the sheep need to be called out at some point. And how am I going to do that if I don't know who the flock actually is and there's really no connection? Does that make sense? Some extreme cases even call for excommunication. Take a deep breath. These words are really hard to preach. I can't, I, 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 before I was a pastor, I couldn't have even imagined this happening um, except in some extreme legalistic things. But sure enough, in the seven years leading up to Grace Church, I was involved in two different excommunication situations where the people were so toxic and so damaging and so hurtful and their stories of abuse were proven to be true and we said, this is not the place for you to worship. And that was really tough to do, but we had to do it. First Corinthians 5, 12 says, for what, I, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? He says, that's really not my job, is it? Is it not those inside the church? Oh, inside the church. There you go. He must have known who was part of his church. Inside the church, whom you are to judge? Question mark. We're talking about righteous judgment. Not a judgy legalistic attitude, but a righteous judgment that protects. God judges those outside. But he said, purge the evil person from among you. Like wolves in sheep's clothing cause hurt and evil intentions toward others and are using the church gatherings and spaces to groom people or to carry out their evil schemes. And when we run across that, it's the pastor's job, it should be the pastor's job to take a hold of that the best way they can. It's not always easy, it's not always successful, quite frankly, people are very slippery, right? Some of you have met these, these people, you just don't wanna admit it right now, but you're going, thank God for some people calling these people out. And I, I sent a letter and I called one guy and I said, because the abuse that you did toward 
with this other young man back when he was a teenager. It's proven to be true by the community and by the law and the fact that you were arrested and spent some time in jail. We love you. We want your journey in the Lord to continue now that you're out of jail. But because this other person worships at this place, it is not okay being around you. They're still on a healing journey from the abuse. It's not okay for you to come worship here at this place. You can worship at another place. And he did. That's called protecting the sheep. You can move, and, and maybe there's some, some places where it's like, okay, if the person's on a healing journey, their abuser can be right over here. We can worship together. But if not, I'm going to always side with the person abused. <laughs> because that's what we're called to. Mend the brokenhearted. Heal the sick. Bind up the brokenhearted, set the captives free. And sometimes we can do both. We can, we, can, we can speak freedom to the abuser, but sometimes you have to, you have to have it say, Pastor down the road, can you take care of this dude while I spend time with this family so they can get on a healing journey? It doesn't always have to be in the same building. Okay, all right. I know this is probably new to some of you. You're like, anything goes. No, not anything goes. That's actually not okay. It's not okay to re-abuse people in the body of Christ or allow them to be abused again and again and again. They're not gonna get healed that way. And sometimes because of people's evil intentions, um, we have to separate. Okay. Again, help us, Lord. Here's another word, submission. Trying to get a few smiles out of you. Scripture requires all Christians to be submitted to a group of church leaders and elders and pastors, and including me, by the way. The New Testament commands individuals to submit to a specific group of leaders who we trust to have spiritual authority in our lives, and I believe it really is biblical. Um, now, I'm going to balance all this. Just hang in there. Take a deep breath because I want you to hear the whole, the whole gospel. But he, Hebrews 13 says this, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. Somebody go, oh. <laughs> See, you're not even good at groaning. That's good. For that would be of no advantage to you. You're going to do it joyfully, right? This verse seems to, in, in, seems to imply that individuals need to have expressed willingness or agreement to submit to a group of leaders that they would call spiritual leaders. Um, an actual list of those who are willing to do this then helps to define who wants to be spiritually led. So it's important to know. Uh, would you say it's important to know who's ordained to lead? Yes. Are you glad you know my name? Well, likewise, if you flip it, it's good to know who you're leading as well. And so I would say, can we put both of those in, in equal categories? It's important for you to know who's leading, in, at least in this congregation, Equally, then, it's important for a local leader of the congregation to know who it is he's actually leading. Even if that changes from year to year, people move around. I understand that. But he, uh, we like to know, and I think it's biblical to know. So let's balance this. Would you, would you commit, though, along with that scripture, to run for your life if the leadership is abusive, even in the church? I give you permission. I give you permission to call it out if it's abusive, as well as run for your life and get out of there. 
Why? Because preaching this stuff is so scary because there's a lot of abuse in the body of Christ as well. Heavy-handed leaders who fleece the flock. And I take, I take Ezekiel 34 very seriously when it says, woe to the shepherds who feed yourselves and not the flock. It, if you read that, it talks about shepherds abusing the sheep. I'm not here to beat the sheep. I'm here to shepherd the sheep. And that does not mean hitting them, beating them, abusing them, fleecing them. I'm actually supposed to be a servant leader. And the day that I stop becoming a servant leader who feeds the flock, it could include correction. I understand all that. But I'm supposed to be feeding, leading, and guiding. And I'm actually second in command. Did you know that? Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Come on, somebody. Vern is a second in command leader, and I'll never be first. Alicia's third in command, <laughs> right? Because we need structure in our church. How about Ephesians 5.21, just to balance what we're saying? It's up to you to submit to the authority that you trust, but then Ephesians 5 says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so I only have authority in your life that's given. I only have authority, as much authority in your life as you entrust to us and with us and it's not to be usurped by me or demanded or controlled or manipulated in some way. It should be with joy that you say, I want to partner with you and I want you to speak into my life. I don't want to speak into people's lives that don't want it. If, you're, if you have, again, if you have a closed fistedness and you're coming in with a dodging my words, right? This may not be the church for you. I want this to be the church for you, but it just may not be. Why? Because there's no trust between us. And if I've given you a reason not to trust, by all means, let me know. I can repent to you. I can say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that, or I said that wrong. If I did say that, I'm in error, or something like that. Whatever it takes to, to fix the relationship. Um, if I just offended you over scriptural truth, well, then we'll debate about it for sure. But if I've offended you and I didn't want to, by all means, we want to build trust between leaders and flocks, shepherds and sheep. We're all sheep. Did you know that? I know I'm second in command, but at the end of the day, before God, when we all stand before the pearly gates, if that's a thing, it's from the book of Revelation, we call it the pearly gates, we're going on into eternity. At that moment, guess what? I have an account for my life, just like you have an account for your life. I have account as for being a pastor, you have an account for managing your family well and all your finances and all those things, but at that moment, we're all sheep of the great shepherd. And that's how I function day to day as well. I take on an authority and, and do what I need to do in leadership, but we're all sheep at the end of the day. Okay, okay, very good, very good. Number five, here's the good stuff. Here at Grace Church, somebody say here. here. Locally here at Grace Church, um, I wanna go after what I would call active church partnership that goes beyond attendance. Ooh, Okay, back to attendance. I love that you're here. But guess what? We can't track attendance. We, we could. We could get you all like a badge to sign in. You know, I, I don't know. That'd just be a little overwhelming. Come on, somebody. As our church grows, you know, that would just be a little much. But, but and actually, I heard some churches do that. But yeah, that's why they're 50 people. Uh, <laughs> that's, that would be a lot. Come on. But, but I cannot track church attendance. In, on a Sunday morning service, there's people here that are checking us out for the first time that may or, not, may or may not be even saved. Guess what? I'm glad that you're here checking us out. This is where you belong. There's people here that aren't sure if they ever want to partner with a local church and get busy with it or be part of your family. They're still wondering that. 
guess what? I'm glad that you're here. There's people that have been here for 30 years. And raise your hand if you've been here all 40 years of Pastor Ray's ministry. There's still some of you here. Come on, that's awesome. Let's applaud those people. That's amazing. What a journey in the Lord. That's incredible. And so you have to realize that on a Sunday morning, I'm talking to an audience that is diverse further than I can spread my arms. You understand that? Active church partnership If those are those who say, not only do I attend, but then I stay and I pray and I start to link arms in some way, okay? So that's, that's who I'm actually trying to decipher who's who. So we created what we call a partnership form that you can sign. Now, the main thing on this partnership form, by the way, you can access it even right now. It's active by scanning that QR code in front of you. We have a few places in the lobby you can scan it. Don't, don't stress if you don't want to do it today. Um, we're going to send it to you by a text blast today yet and also an email that will come out. So if you haven't checked your emails in a while, only 5% of people check emails anymore. That's why we switched to text. So... Hopefully, we'll get you somehow. But if you're already active in some way, meaning you've given, you've served, you've been part of a group and all that, we, have, we already have people in our da- database that are active in some way, you're going to probably get that blast uh, by text or by email. You can fill out that form there. Now, we're going after a few things on that form. Um, number one, you listen to all three messages. This is going to be just like our partnership classes. You've listened to my spiel, right? All three messages. So you know what a partner actually is. And then you can sign that form. The form goes after these three things. Like, do you believe the way that we believe? Is this church okay for you? Meaning, you know, I've made it very clear what we believe in uh, two messages. And then we're, we're as clear as we can be about, about what we do here, why we exist as a church, and then what constitutes partnership. And if you agree with those things, then you can fill out this form even now, today, or later today. Going after what we believe, what we do, and what is partnership? Now we're gonna recognize at Grace Church three, three types of partnership. Hang in there, I'll say it again if I need to. Three types of partnership at Grace Church for various reasons, and I've thought this through for a long time, including the seven years leading up to Grace Church, we've wrestled with these same things. All the churches that I'm in partnership with are wrestling with the same kind of stuff uh, with our cultural things. We recognize what we would call serving partner. Those are people who don't give financially for some reason, but you love serving and you love linking arms that way, we want to recognize you as a serving partner and still see you as a partner of the family. Then there's those that are just a giving partner. And I say just, that's extremely, extremely valuable. You uh, don't want to serve or you can't serve for some reason, but you love giving. You You have a gift of giving. And I'm thinking about some of the snowbirds we have that, you know, Uh, suffer for the Lord in Florida all winter, but they still give faithfully, and they're not going to be here to serve, but uh, they do give faithfully, and you can be a giving partner. I want to recognize you and honor you, those who serve, those who give, but I do want to know then, for, for very, very important reasons, who what I would call legacy partners of Grace Church. Now, you know, Paul said in one place, he said, you this way, there's that way. And then he said, here's my ways in the Lord. Do you remember that verse? I should, have, I should have looked it up. He said, here's my ways in the Lord. Do you know Paul had his own ways? 
He didn't necessarily say this is God's way. And that's what I'm saying about this. I'm not sure if this is all necessarily how every church needs to do it because it's decidedly God's way, but I believe this is a good way to do it to help us function well as a family. And I'm just gonna say, this is my way. But legacy partners both give and serve. And then I'll look at that team and they're all in our database and then we can actually track giving and serving, and those who love to give and serve, and I would say all in that way, who are giving and serving, I would look to this group who actually are the closest to me to help me build future-going ministry at Grace Church. I would ask this group, because they're all in on both, on both levels, if you will, you know, I don't actually look at you as like on different levels necessarily, but you're different types, if that's okay. You're a type, <laughs> You're a type of person, you're a type of personality, and we love you all. Do you still feel loved? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I have to reassure myself. Some of you look like you're about to crawl through the floor or throw a tomato at me or something. I can't quite tell. Love you guys. Legacy partners are a special kind of people. They're the ones who link arms closest to the leadership team at Grace Church. They're like the group leaders. Those are the ministry leaders. I would look to those people for future elders and future board members and future committee leaders and all that kind of stuff. And we're gonna actually hone in very carefully to say, if you want to lead people spiritually and you wanna actually say, I am a leader. Somebody say leader at Grace Church, in this particular family, then you're a legacy partner. That really, really matters to me because it gets really strange for people that are kind of like approach, and, and I'll, I'll get to some exemptions in just a little bit, so hang in there, take a deep breath. But some people who like to approach us very carefully, like one foot in, I'm gonna fall just trying to do, you know, you're, you're okay, and we love you where you're at. Do you know that God loves you where you're at and also where you're going? Yeah. He didn't love you differently when you get there. He loved you just as much when you were unsaved as he loves you when you're saved. Oh, come on, that's a different message altogether. But it's the love that actually caused him to go to the cross in the first place. So he doesn't love you differently, right? But he doesn't call all of you leaders that don't function like leaders. Okay. I just want to approach... That's great. Carefully, carefully. Maybe I'll give a little. Maybe I'll serve a little. That's great. Call yourself what you are. Don't call yourself a leader in the body of Christ if you're not functioning like a leader. And that's okay. Shabba shah. All right. Take a deep breath again. Some of you are like, oh my goodness, pastor, help me. People who want to lead others spiritually, including small groups, I think this is very important to us within the Grace Church family, should be active legacy partners. Why? Because that's a healthy way to grow a church. You don't have to wonder about those people that might be preaching something in a small group that they're not carrying out faithfully in the larger body of Christ, all right? Okay. Now, we're gonna form a group for what I would call exceptions, and we had this at our previous church as well because there's some people who can't give and can't serve. They might be handicapped in some way. 
oh, goodness sake, they might even be bedridden. You know, we don't know, understand. But they want to be viewed as, or they were, and still be viewed as partners in some way. You know, if they, if they pass away, God forbid, I would want to do their funeral or, 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 or help their family or bless their family in some way. And so there's always exceptions in a, in a, a group this large. There's some people who, even with their best intentions, if the heart is right, come on. This will require, by the way, for us to get to know you a bit and to have a bit of a pastoral connection because we want to know these people. If your heart is right, but for some reason you are living in abject poverty or you're handicapped in some way, by all means, we don't expect you to give us your hard-earned money, and we certainly don't expect you to make coffee for us on a Sunday morning. Are you kidding me right now? You know, we're not ruthless and we're not ridiculous. Um, some of you are going, well, it's borderline, but... <laughs> But no, come on, let's, this is called Grace Church after all. So would you let us know if that is you? And by the way, um, you know, Jesus said the poor will always be among you. We always need some people to serve and to help out. We, we should be praying for you. Uh, okay, let me move on and then I'll come back to that. Number six is maintaining active partnership. I wanna, I wanna just do some final clarifying statements. Do you ever hear the, the phrase, actions speak louder than words? And that's actually how we're gonna maintain our database of who's active and who isn't. It's just simply by your behavior. <laughs> Sorry, we're not Lutheran. Sorry, you didn't sign a form. And that form is good for the next 20 to 25 years, whether you ever showed up to the church again or not. Sorry, we, I, I just don't believe in that. I think that right there shows the dysfunction of the local church quicker and faster, and I don't know why I picked Lutheran. A lot of churches do that. You know, when I was 16, I, f I signed this form, and I haven't been back since. Find a place where you go back since. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. 1 John 3.18 says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed, in deeds, and in truth. So we're going to track the deeds of giving and serving through our PCO database, as it's called, on a six-month running list of active partners, and it, it refreshes, and then if you decide for some reason that you need to move out of the state, God forbid, uh, always, always hate that. Wonderful people just move around the countryside, but, it, but I love that because we're free. We're America, right? You can move to Florida if you need to. <laughs> but listen, all you got to do is stop giving and stop serving, and then you eventually become inactive in, in six months. If you talk to us, you can be part of the exceptions list, right? Because there's something really going on in your life that we should be ministering to you. That makes sense to me. But if you don't want to be active, then you don't want to be active. You're in charge of your membership and partnership, not me. Okay? So we're going to track active giving and active serving as people who want to remain active. We cannot track general church service attendance because people flow in and flow out, and that makes sense to you, I think. How often over you here are you a guest or a visitor, um, all that kind of stuff. You 100, I want you to have 100% control over your active partnership with your local church, not me. And now, they might give me a pastoral opportunity to call you. I don't, I'm not promising to do this, to be honest. This is not a promise to do, but I might. If I see somebody was really active, man, they used to serve a lot, they used to give regularly, and someone could alert me. By the way, I don't sit around studying the database, by the way, either, uh, just so you know. But I might call that person and say, hey, what gives? Are you okay? Is there an opportunity here for us to pass to you? What's happening? It's a good opportunity to you know, maybe chase after some people for pastoral reasons. What I don't like to do is to say, 
I, I saw you haven't given in six months. What's happening? <laughs> it just feels raw, doesn't it? Even me saying it out loud is cringy, really cringy, especially in our culture. But, but listen, and the reason I don't sit around, I, I look at numbers, all right, but I don't sit around studying the database is because when I walk through this lobby and you've seen me now for a year, I don't walk around going, there's my $1,000 a month giver, there's my 10 month yeah, or, or $10 a week giver and stuff like that. I actually don't do that. I actually don't have that in my mind when I walk around. I, I walk around saying hello to whoever's in my path and greeting you all the same. You know, Jesus didn't look at some people when he walked through the town and say, you're not worth my attention. He would heal everybody and he would minister to those that are around him, okay? Now, Back to the other thing, it could, it could be brought to our attention that you're living an extremely ungodly life after your, I say you're 100% in control of your partnership. I would make one exception to that. If your life just dives off the deep end and you, know, you become a, a mister of the target really radically, right? First of all, we're gonna pastor you and shepherd you if your life is just full of you know, the, the, the sin. But if you're actively continuing sin to where it's talked of and you're not repentant, and we've had to do it multiple times in previous churches, you know, I'll come at you and say, do not consider yourself a member of this local family. Member of the body of Christ, we'll let you and God deal with that. But it's not safe for you here. Now, we can go into our PCO database with proper pastoring before that and go click no, this is not, you would not actually consider you an active partner. Why? Because you're hurtful to the body of Christ, okay? We will do that if we need to, God forbid. I hope I never have to do that here. That was actually the worst part of being a pastor ever. Number one, uh, I would say in, in uh, I wanna say that, uh, that um, family meetings, okay, I'm stumbling over my words now. This is what I wanna say, back, on, back to my notes. Those that I know that are active in some way, giving, serving, maybe your legacy, you wanna go all in with giving and serving, thank God. Um, active partners in the family need communication. And so me and the staff are already working, working up ways to communicate better with active partners of Grace Church. What does that mean, Pastor Vern? Thank you for asking, I'd like to tell you. Uh, <laughs> I would like to give financial updates to those who give financially on a regular basis. And I would call it like a dashboard email. And uh, we're probably not gonna print it out because any, like a Sunday morning, it's a place for everybody. All guests are welcome, right? And even people that are unsaved are always welcome in this place. This is where you belong if you're seeking God. Amen, somebody. But the family should be communicated to. We should have maybe some family meetings throughout the year for various reasons. Number one, to go over finances and what's left you know, are we even meeting our budget that we set out to meet or are we uh, paying down our mortgage and things of that nature? Man, D December was awesome. I'm, I, I came up here and I said, you guys are amazing. We closed out 2023 with a, 2023 with a bang. December was like breathtaking. It was so awesome. January fell through the floor. I was, I was actually almost panic attack until the whole, just for a moment. You, come on, give me the three seconds. Until the Holy Spirit said to me, hang in there, watch the next month. And sure enough, we went into February and it started climbing back up. And I went, oh, dear God, yeah, I'm, doing the, I'm doing the Catholic praying. And I was like, no, I'm just, I wasn't doing that. I'm just teasing. I only pray to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Um, 
I'm not, I'm not, that, that's just me being quirky. I'm not offending anybody who actually is Catholic. I hope, you know, send me an email. I apologize to you too. <laughs> but, but it was scary and um, only me and Alicia knew it because, because you know, it was, and, and of course our, our wonderful bookkeeper that we have, but, um, but, it, but it could get scary. So that's where you communicate with the body of Christ, the ones that are active and say, hey, what gives? Um, let's pray. Because if you don't know, you don't know. How would you know, right? Uh, but February is climbing back up. Thank you, Jesus. And then we want to talk about expansion updates because the first thing we ought to expand is the parking lot because the parking lot is, holds less cars than what our auditorium holds. I didn't say that right. But people that our auditorium holds. Our parking lot fills up first before our auditorium. There, I said it right. Okay. We don't park cars in the auditorium. Okay. <clears throat> Then I want to share vision and what's happening, future-going vision to upgrade the building and things like that. We want to hear testimonies and share testimonies and how you're making an impact on people's lives. I don't think there's anything worse than, than giving money into a big black hole. And not that that was anybody's intention, but, but if we don't do this well, then you're giving your hard-earned money. You're praying to the Holy Spirit saying, what do you want me to give to this local body? And maybe you give some stuff to missionaries and all that too, but you're giving and then you just don't hear a word. You don't know if our debts are being paid. You don't actually have a sense of how many lives we're impacting, how many baptisms are going on. Because if we don't give you like a sense of what's happening with your money, I mean, some of you are just faithful because you're doing it for God anyway. You're not doing it to get a report. But there's something about that connected with vision that will actually set hearts on fire. And you go, wow, that $100, that 1000 bucks that I gave, look at what it did. And, and I want to, as the best of my ability, to connect you with that. Okay, you ready for some final thoughts? Maybe they're challenges. Maybe I'll call them final challenges instead. You still love me? Okay. If you have kids, maybe you want to go get your kids. But I really want to finish this because this is not for another Sunday. It's for today. You can put the slide up if you want to. It is 1130. Ah, oh, he ready did. They're on it. You guys are awesome. Okay. To those of you who can't, don't, or won't give, I'll have, I have a scripture verse for you. To those of you who can't, don't, or won't give financially, um, unless you're living in abject poverty, I want, uh, by the way, if you're living in abject poverty, I want to know that so we can pray for you and speak prosperity over you and help you through that. By the way, we have people that do some financial coaching. Did you know that? But if you're not, here's the scripture verse for you, Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'll let that challenge you. That challenges me because if you're here, but you're saying none of my money is here, but I'm here, that means your heart is somewhere else, but your body is here. So I would say go where your heart is. Be there, 100%. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And you should be aware of that and actually know that and function as such. It means your heart isn't here for some reason. So pray and ask God and get aligned with where your heart actually is. Now, I want to say something real special to, to we have a lot of uh, folks floating around Grace Church. And by the way, I love them all. I haven't, I haven't met a single family like this that I haven't loved incredibly. But we get asked every single week to sow money into what I would call outreach or missions um, organizations or local ministries, uh, and there's a lot of them, quite frankly. It's not a single week has gone by since I'm here that I haven't gotten a request for finances to be sown into their ministry or their outreach that they're doing in the city 
or if they're going on a mission. And um, at the previous church, all seven years, that was how it was too. Man, people would call us every single week, can your church donate, can your church give? And we're gonna continue, we'll continue to do that, by the way, to where God tells us to sow into. We're gonna continue to do more of that, quite frankly. But here's, here's the trouble that I have. Here's the trouble that I have. Some of those folks who have those types of ministries are still saying that this is my local church. Now, this is a little different because some of those folks say, well, all my money goes out. Do you want to know where Alicia and I first give money? Grace Church. Why? Because I believe in the ministries, the vibrant ministries that we're creating here. It gets a little sour for pastors to have ministries and missions and all this kind of stuff saying, give me money, give me money, give me money. And they're here in the body. I'm not talking about they're out there connected to some local church, but they're here, but they won't function here. Man, they can't even give $10 to help keep our lights on, but they want money flowing to them, but, not, but they actually don't believe in the vibrant ministry here. And so I want to give to people that are actually functioning family manners. I would love to get behind what I would call legacy partners who show themselves to be very functional, giving and serving family members. And then if God sends them to Tanzania or wherever it is, we get behind them and serve them. Why? Because they show that, that they love this ministry as well, just as much. You okay with that? It's allowed to be quiet. You don't even have to say amen if you don't want to. I'm just telling you out loud how I feel. And then I'll, uh, those people that going forward, I've explained this to a few people already. I'll have to explain it again and again. But, the, but if you're not called here, and that's okay. You're allowed to visit as often as you want. But if you're calling this your local church, then I would check how you function. Those who can't, don't, or won't serve. Those who can't, don't, or won't serve um, and we have a lot of online people, by the way, and I, I think that's going to grow. I don't think that's going to go away. That is our culture. Would you consider, if you're just watching us online, let me look at that camera. I would say, would you consider hosting online? Because what we need is people to connect with people online as well. That is one of the ways that we function. Will you consider joining that team? You can still find our, our, um, our ways to serve on our, on our website. Will you just sign up and say, hey, I can pray for people when I'm on Facebook Live and YouTube Live. I can switch to a computer and then you can actually chat with people on Facebook Live and YouTube Live. <clears throat> would, you, would, you talk, would you consider leading an online Bible study, an online prayer group through Zoom or something like that, or maybe a Google group or something like that? If you can't get to the building because of age, handicaps, and you want to be considered a partner, I would like for you to let us know. It's our job then to serve you and pray for healing for you and help you through that journey. And then at least we know why you're functioning the way that you're functioning. There's actually nothing more weird than just not knowing. Okay? If you work on Sundays, and here's some people. I'm just trying to capture as much as I can today. That's why this message won't fit into another Sunday. If you work on Sundays, talk to us about 
other ways to serve. And some people have already been doing this. It's been amazing. Some people have actually decided they're gonna come in and help us reset the building and you know restock envelopes and pens and reset our kitchen and everything like that. It's been awesome. But you can help with maintenance projects and meals and events. You can set up and tear down various things like that and you can still get busy with it even if you can't be here on a Sunday. Maybe sometime we'll have another service. But So pray. Do what Holy Spirit is asking you to do even if it's for this, a season all of us do what needs to be done sometimes, even if it's things we don't want to do. Should I say that louder? All of us, if you're a good employee or just a good person, sometimes you do some things you don't feel like doing for a season. Come on. Amen? I'm not saying that I want you stuck there, but I think God is better able to, steal, uh, to steer a driving car than he is a car that's parked in the parking lot and just stays put. Start moving, start grooving, start getting busy with it, grab a broom. And I, I would say to you, eventually, you'll find what you love. You'll find what you're passionate about. So anyway, we're looking forward to connecting with maybe hundreds of you in a deeper, more meaningful way. Let's listen to my heart, listen to God's heart. Connection with one another on a more deeper, meaningful way so that you and I both know who it is we're linking arms with and building together for this vibrant church that we call Grace Church. And then together, together, side by side, we link arms to impact this region with the saving message of Jesus Christ and the gospel of grace. Can I get a, get a, can I get a good amen one more time? <clears throat> Alicia, did any questions come in? If not, that's okay. I can meet them through the week. But let's take at least one or so. If you have to go, you have to go. But come back in. We have more to talk about, maybe. Yeah, let's at least do one or two. Yeah, absolutely. You can always sow into us, just like you would sow into an organization. There's, there's folks who actually do that. Um, you know, maybe from a distance they're looking for, because some people right now, you don't know who's necessarily leading the food bank downtown, and maybe some of you do, but if you don't, doesn't prevent you from giving to them. As long as people trust us and, and, and they've decided in their heart, you know, that they're following the Holy Spirit and they believe in the vibrant ministry that we're creating in the region, by all means, we'll put your money to very good use. Um, we just can't call all, because we don't know those people, we can't call all those people leaders, and we can't call those people family members necessarily unless we have an ongoing connection with those prayers. We get money from people that I still have never met. I would love to meet everybody, but I don't know where the money is all coming from. But hey, thank God. We're gonna put it to good use. Amen. Amen. Would you like another question? Yeah, let's do one more if it applies. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's a great question. And if you want to listen back to the last two messages, I think that would really help you because where you are in your spiritual journey really, really matters. Like step number one is, do I believe what they believe? Do they teach what I would want taught in such a way that they interpret scripture the way that I would interpret scripture? And that's quite various now across the body of Christ. For example, we're a very continuationist church. We believe that gifts of the Spirit can be alive and well today and flowing through the body of Christ. Maybe not all on a Sunday, but in groups and various places and prayer times and whatnot. That may not agree with you. That's just one example. And so you ought to know that this is a biblically sound church and what we're doing and, and, and then the reason that we're here. Do you agree with our, with our vision? Because some people really, really want 
all of the church budget to go toward outreach, for example, or to, or to missions. And I've seen churches like that, but then they actually don't do much for youth group. They actually don't do much for children's ministry. They don't do much to help the people right in their own neck of the, neck of the woods. All their money goes to Kenya, for example. Is that right or wrong? No, it's not really right or wrong. It's not really how I see biblical church. And so you, you have to agree with how we, how we stand on some of those things. And then at the end of the day, pray and hear God. If you can't hear God, well, then go on a journey on that first. Get in the prayer room. Spend some quality time praying through and take the necessary time. I don't care if it takes months. Take the necessary time to pray and hear God. And then when you get a sense of peace and shalom, somebody says shalom. Got to be led by the peace of God. And if you feel that connection with us and, you know, don't join the church if you don't like me. That, that's, that's terrible for you. <laughs> I think it might be helpful to know um, for people that we do take 10% of all incoming money is used. Um, yeah. It's automatically set aside. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's not the only money that goes out, but the other money that goes out could be tort through vibrant ministries that we're creating, but 10% is set aside right away to go out toward local ministries or ministries abroad or to serve, serve people's needs in some way, locally or abroad, yeah. No, that's good. Do you have any more? Is that good for now? All right, all right, good. Give yourselves a hand, good questions. Do y'all want to stand with me today? You're such a, a, a patient, a patient people today, and I really, really appreciate that. I knew there was a lot to share, a lot to go over, but I wanted you to hear the whole counsel of, of God and where we're at in our hearts. But more than anything, I really want you to hear God's heart for you to be all in. And when uh, I was talking to my friend Scott today, he happens to live in Harrisburg. They've, even though they've visited Grace Church multiple times, they can't really attend here. But he watches our messages every single week from Harrisburg. And, and he said, um, I love this message series. Then he said, uh, he likes to watch MMA. You, you, some of you like to watch that, that kind of crazy fighting. But <laughs> yeah, really, some of you, wow. That, that's awesome. I used to, <laughs> yeah, it stresses me out. But anyway, a lot of, lot of beating going on. But you know, like, like there's, there's this tap out, right? You're like, okay, I've had enough beating. Now I'm going to tap out. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't tap out on us? Aren't you glad that the apostle Paul didn't tap out before everything was written that needed to be written? Aren't you glad that not in the middle of your life, Jesus doesn't say, oh, I tried, I, I tap out, for goodness sake, what's wrong with this woman? What, help me with this man. He never did that, and he never will. He will always be, come on somebody, he will always be all in. He will always be all in for what he accomplished on the cross, but he will always be all in for your life and for your future and the grace that is on your life. He always has that same poison. He never changes. I believe 100% in my people. I believe 100% of what they can become. I believe in their freedom, their salvation. I believe in their blessing and favor. My question as we close today is, are you all in back toward him? Now, I'm not talking about Grace Church right now. I'm talking about, are you all in in your relationship? back toward Jesus Christ? Have you declared him to be Lord? Just declaring Jesus Christ as Lord is saying a lot. It's declaring that he is your king, that he is your God, that he is your leader, and that you are now submitted to his lordship. 
And that goes a long way, man. That, that, actually, it, that, that will actually change your life just starting there. Would you all just uh, close your eyes for just, just a healthy moment? And what, the reason we do this is just to give someone a moment to consider where they're at. Are you all in or not? Some of you have swayed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. And some of you are going, man, I come and I go and I kind of like it that way. But today you're feeling the prick in your heart. Man, I haven't given Jesus the time that I needed to give him. I haven't actually committed to his will and his way, the way that the Holy Spirit has been prompting me to. I, I would like to tell you that today could be that day where you just make that commitment and you say, okay, I'm all in with you, Lord. Would you raise your hand if you want me to pray for you? And you're just, and this is, this is if you're new to the gospel and you're saying, I've never really committed my life to the Lord. Will you shoot your hand up in the air so we can pray with you before we move any further? I don't see anybody at the moment. If you're online, let's pray together for the sake of those online. If you're online, type it in there to say, I wanna be all in. Let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I want to go all in. Thank you for the finished work of the cross. I repent of my sins. I lay down my will my ways and surrender to your will and your ways. Thank you for your love and forgiveness. Holy Spirit, empower me to live in your truth, both in thought and in deed. In Jesus' name, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate those that might have said yes to Jesus today just in case I missed them or you're online. So if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you're online, would you scan that QR code in front of you or click that, that link and uh, let us know who you are so we can serve you on your journey. Stop by the Next Step station, fill out a Connect card, let us know who you are. We'd love if you did that. Hey, if you're here today serving on the prayer teams, I'd love for you to come front. There's still time to pray. Come on, dinner isn't served yet. Uh, you can, there's still time to pray for some people. Somebody here that's battling. If you're battling sickness and disease, I would love for you to come join us up front here before you leave for prayer. And somebody that has a hip problem or you're going into hip surgery, I would love for you to come front before you leave and pray with these fine folks or her or with me and Alicia. Just come join me up front. If you're here and you're saying my marriage is on the rocks, would you come up here before you leave or even right now and pray with us, some of y'all? If you're a brand new believer and and, and you're saying, man, I don't know where to go from here. Would you let us pray with you before you go? Some of you that are struggling in your jobs, I'm just gonna throw out a few things. If you have to go, you go. Some of you that are really, really struggling with your jobs and it's quite a toxic work environment, I'm sensing today by the Holy Spirit that we need to agree for some things with you. Would you come up front here and let us pray with you and prophesy over you? God wants to mess with your workplace and the enemy's trying to take you out by placing you in a toxic work environment. Some of you need healing and deliverance and freedom from so many things. We don't wanna close down this service too early without praying for you before we go. To the rest of you, I bless you in the name of Jesus. Go in peace. In Jesus' mighty name, love you lots.